1: The Hale Varsity Radio Saturday Morning Show, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Strap yourselves in. Here are your hosts, Chris Schmitz.
0: Y'all do not even know he was a virgin until he's 28, and now,
2: Roll time.
3: And Mark Cranach.
2: Time has come for someone to put his foot down, and that foot is me.
4: Welcome to It Weekend Editions here at Var City Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Chris Schmidt and Mark Cranach back with his Big 8 old-school throwback. Willie J making it happen. Great to be with you. Let's see if Nebraska gets two in a row today against the Illini. Kickoff, 11 o'clock Memorial Stadium. Lovey, the beardless Lovey, and the fighting Illini come into town and uh, Spotlight is on the Big Ten today, the two biggest matchups in college football. Uh, hey, uh, you could have your division winners settled by November 21st. You've got Wisconsin and Northwestern, of course, Indiana, and everyone's favorite PE coach, Coach Allen, and, of course, uh, Ohio State. Numbers to get in this morning, four six six three seven. Seven six four six six three seven, seven six eight hundred eight two five five eight six five. Find us on Twitter at Schmidt underscore Radio Chris Schmidt, at Mark Skurs for Mark Cranak and at Willie J for Mister Will Wilson. Email Chris at HaleVarsity.com. dot do you know what yesterday was?
1: Uh, Friday, right? Keep going. Give me some more hints. What do you mean? I, I like we got to got to narrow this down. What? <laughs> It was, it it was, our, our
4: dear friend Mitch Sherman from The uh, Athletic did a wonderful
1: Oh the anniversary re- piece. The, of anniversary, Texas A&M 2010. the
4: anniversary piece of AM Nebraska 2010. 18 flags and 145 yards later, AM is gifted a nine to six victory.
1: It's funny, Chris. That that's one of those games where you lit, like you remember where you were yeah. and you remember what you were doing i i can't tell you for a lot of the games over the last god knows how long <laughs> there's very few of them where i could be like i was sitting in this particular spot next to these particular people at this particular time like you just remember it because it was so startling
4: well it, it was going to be a tough ball game you knew the talent level of of a&m i mean they never bless his heart, but Mike Sherman recruited well, put first-rounders into the league. Von Miller, uh, Munchak's kid, Yoko, or whatever the hell the kid's name was, the left tackle. They they had a slew of like first-round offensive linemen. They had Von Miller. They had Tanny Hill. They had uh, some wideouts that were probably fifth-round guys, but that year, I remember texting Zach Taylor, shameless scumbag name drop, but he was a, 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 a G.A., at A&M working for his father-in-law. I remember texting him before and after the game, and he's like, dude, that was a big one for us because they had beaten Oklahoma that year. OU was top three, okay? They had upset Oklahoma. They had upset Nebraska, and that got, you know, dad-in-law a contract extension that he ultimately was let go a year or two later. But they, man, what what a scene. Nebraska had already signed, sealed, delivered their way out the Big 12, so it was one final season, and you and I were, we were doing our Saturday morning shows, and still, you know, and we're like, we both cannot believe what happened the the following week, the following day, the outcry, the outrage, the frustration, the bedlam after the game with Coach Bo, Carl, our friends down at Tech Sags, and the infamous camera. And and you know it was just man, you, you felt absolutely jobbed and robbed. And aside from Sue in, in Texas, I don't know that I'd ever seen a finer defensive performance from from a Nebraska football team in that environment. We're talking night game, we're talking ninety thousand, we're talking Giga Maggies. I mean that it's legendary. Kyle Fields, a legendary place to go play. And Nebraska was working on like going three and oh, okay, winning yeah. at night. And it just was not to be. You had the infamous halftime, I gotta call daddy moment with you know, with Taylor Martinez. You had Rex and Roy, you had poor Ben Cotton, someone went and speed bag on his boys in the bottom of a pile. Mm-hmm. And it was <laughs> it was read Mitch's story, first of all, Mitch Sherman. Love him. But second of all, it was the 10th anniversary yesterday. As we fast forward, and we'll get into Nebraska, Illinois. I see where you're going with this. I thought we had seen it all with Courtney Osborne's late hit 10 years ago. All of us in Nebraska remember the 94 Orange Bowl, right, with the William Floyd fumble at the goal line. We've all either been a part of or sat on our couch and threw stuff at our TV at a bad call. And then there's Purdue (laughs) and Minnesota last night, where Twitter melted down. Scott Van Pelt has offered to set up a GoFundMe to pay for any fines that Jeff Brom may incur uh, with his post-game comments. We'll hear from Jeff Brom in just a second. But my lord, Kranak, you've got... The faithful old tight end, Payne Durham. That's one hell of a tight end name. What's your name? My name's Payne. Can I date your daughter? Payne You're Durham. A tight end. Uh-huh. <laughs> Payne Durham got loose, hauled in the touchdown over Josh Oon, the Minnesota linebacker, and minutes later Oon intercepted Jack Plummer to, to seal the deal. But you see this out route in the slot for the tight end as he releases. Great throw by Plummer, catch, Purdue, road win, let's party, right, for Purdue Pete. And the second, both feet are in, and the catch is made by Durham, the tight end. The side judge says, let it fly, and he goes lawn dart with his yellow flag. Mm -hmm. I have seen, and we have been watching football for a lot of years, and it's hyperbole. That's the worst call I've ever. We all think that in the moment. This may actually be fact. <laughs> no, it's last, it could last be night risk. because yeah, I mean, there's hand no, fighting right. and hand fighting and all that goes on. I didn't see any contact initiated, and I've tried to watch every angle possible yeah. last night. It's one thing, like if the hands extended, but a lot of times. You've got safeties and linebackers holding the guy's arm, like trying to pull it back. Right, that's the new thing—the armbar. And and I can't believe what I saw. I can't believe what was called. And for for Brom to not go murder somebody last night, go go Carl after the fact is is pretty high level self restraint.
1: It's I mean there was a, what a minute twenty three left something like that yeah so you're talking you're coming down to the wire. Your your quarterback throws just a, a perfect ball on a corner route to a tight end. It, it's it's solid. It's right there. Now now in fairness on BTN, I didn't see any angles. Pure. It's it's sort of like when the infraction must have happened. There's no there isn't clear like footage. A camera, there yeah. There's no footage of it. So it's look from what we saw. There's absolutely nothing there. But I do wonder if. You know, because it kind of ran out of frame at one point and the camera operators just didn't follow them. Like, is that when it happened? Who knows? You'd probably be able to see it on like an all-22 camera, you know, in zone or or maybe even... Even if, uh, even if
4: there was a little contact, there's not enough no. to make that call in that moment to negate no, a touchdown. No, 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 no. After you're, the you're right. David Bell, you know, magic act on the I'm going to break up an interception... And, and and catch a pass. I mean, that happened three plays earlier where he went yeah. up, made a great play, and apparently a defender was had a pinky toe out of bounds and, and touched the football, so it was ruled an incomplete pass. But buckle up, man. I wonder how weird a day this weekend may become. Or is everybody going to check themselves and make sure they're extra awesome from an officiating standpoint based on what happened last night in Gopherville?
1: Yeah, well, and... If you look at, uh, you mentioned Twitter, by the way. I've never seen so much unity on Twitter. <laughs> no, ever. Then after that call. Like, you think about the last year or so, politically, it's all over the place, right? You got some people are like, ah, Trump, ah, Biden. Like, what, you know, everybody's on both sides. You got people on both sides. If you're following people right, by the way, folks, stay out of the echo chamber, all right? Mm. Follow conservatives and liberals. There's your PSA for today. Anyways, um, so <laughs> there's, people are all over the place, right? I have never, like, there, that was a good four thumb scrolls through.
4: Everyone wants to crucify the side judge. But, yeah.
1: yeah, nothing but some iteration of, that is the worst call I've ever seen. I have never, that is, Purdue Pete got jobbed, you know, like just it was for like pets, 30 in a row are falling off yeah yeah there, i mean there was no dissent no matter and and it was like sports fans it was mild sports fans it was sports reporters radio national one brother local, <laughs> it didn't matter everybody had already rendered their verdict like that was pretty bad pretty
4: pretty bad they, how did Brahm even handle that post-game? I I, I don't know he, if you could hear it with our setup, but we're going to play it, all right? So that, that doesn't help you. Everyone else is okay with it. He, Sorry. No, I mean, I, I, what I was asking almost rhetorically, though. Like, how did he...
1: How did he handle that? Because like, cause he he actually handled it okay. Yeah. I, I
4: thought the guy would go completely ape bleep, well, but he, he did he He did go ape bleep on the sideline, but it wasn't. Of course. I mean, it was just like F-bombing and and venom at the official, but that's normal, okay? It wasn't getting into an official's bubble. It wasn't chasing after them like th- that's happened. Okay, <laughs> it's not running after him. It's 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 um, no. And he pulled up his gator, and and he probably went a few more rounds of toxic swearing. Uh, How about that officials. though, he
1: put, so he pulled it up. So he 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 restrained his potentially coronavirus-laden spittle. In the moment, even well, though
4: he was so angry. What a responsible... Well, you can get away goal. with saying way dirtier things when you got your face covered. Oh, that is a great point. My, like, you, why don't coaches realize that? Well, th- one coach that's brilliant at it, I guess the worst guy on the sideline ever is Coach K at Duke. But the way he says things to the officials and what he says are are, are like two different things. Like, he crushes officials. But he's got that serial killer stare, and he never, with his body language, goes nuts. It's always like, just, it's like he's saying, hey, how are you? How was brunch? Okay. But really what he's saying is really horrific to the official about a call that they just didn't get. It's the way he delivers it. Brom had the the magic of the gator to pull up over, um, over his nose after he, Went he, he went loose. Let's hear from Jeff Brom, and this is Brom's post game. We have four uh, Willie J, four comments. All right, uh, this is Jeff Brom, and I, I don't know that he did anything last night to get fined. That would have also melted the internet. But here's Jeff Brom after last night's hose job.
5: Well, I think you know what I think. Uh, I don't like it a lot, but uh, I can't really comment on it. Um, it's part of the game, and. Um, you know, we got to move forward, but, yes, I, I didn't like it at all. You know, I I did not get a good explanation, um, but, uh, you know, uh, your guess is as good as mine. Uh, we, we, we didn't make enough plays to win. Uh, we didn't stop them enough. We didn't score enough points. Uh, so we'll take the loss, and, and, and we'll, we'll try to move forward. But, uh, yes, that was disappointing to not get that touchdown.
4: I didn't like it. Can't get much. He handled more into it well. It. Oh, because you he heard it. Honestly, okay, great. Yeah,
1: yeah, I did hear it, it was yeah, he, Willie J. He, but, beautiful, nice, nice engineering engineering. Yes. there. that's yeah. great. Uh, yeah, he handled it pretty well, as well as I think you could expect.
4: Well, I like and, him manning up and saying, oh, "By the way, we didn't make enough plays that should not have come down. They've missed a field goal. They had a couple of red zone issues. Minnesota was down twenty kids and two assistant coaches." <laughs> yeah. I mean, you should have drilled them, honestly. And that drops. So Purdue was kind of in the thick of
1: things. So that yeah. drops them in conference to what? Two and two. And of course, that's also there. They're in the division. They, they've they played nothing but division games. Right. So far. So they're two and two there. And so now out in front, you got Northwestern three, and o, Wisconsin one and oh in the division. So that all but eliminates them. And that's that's why I'm saying he handled. Now, now look at this. Look who in the division is two and one though.
4: Minnesota. Yeah. Somehow.
1: Minnesota. They been just Higher fire.
4: Yeah. They just. Year. Well, think about it. A week ago, Iowa was still punching them. Mm-hmm. Right. I mean, I mean, it, it was horrific. Now, this is maybe the best thing on on Twitter. That's hilarious. This is the official Purdue Athletics Twitter account. And it, and it and it posts oh, final really Minnesota thirty four Purdue thirty one. This claim is disputed.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, in the in the Twitter style of how they were
4: uh-huh, tagging
1: yeah. all of Trump's uh-huh. wild claims of the election. <laughs> this claim is disputed. I know. It, you know. I'm looking at the uh, division now, or looking at the uh, overall. What a mess this thing
4: is. The whole thing, way. man. It, the it's, whole. Ju- it thing. just
1: really is. Like, just to give you an idea, you got Wisconsin. I mean, think about it. Dude, they're, they're 2-0. and Like, what? <laughs> what? They've had two games canceled. And I know this logically, but I'm just saying when you look at them next to all these other teams, like Minnesota. Minnesota's played five games now. Wisconsin's two. Mm-hmm. Like, really? And you're pinning these against each other? and you put more weight on the divisional games to figure out the seeding for that end of year kind of you know the 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 plus 1 game I right. guess we'll call it um Nebraska's down there sitting at 0 and 1 in the division with the loss to Northwestern but has a chance has a chance to reel some off starting with today mm-hmm. against Illinois who's 1 and 3 and Owen 3 in the division um, it's i mean it sets up for a if if Northwestern is able to beat Wisconsin. It's I mean Northwestern's got it.
4: They yeah, they're they're sealed up and that's I mean would they literally clinch at that point? I I think, I it think would. it'd be I mean let, here's here's my take on the they're Big close. 10. All right, any any day, any game it's absolutely winnable or losable, okay? Cuz a week ago Northwestern goes into Purdue, wins, all right, and they're up double digits, and I'm like, no one's coming back against North, not no one, but most teams, specifically in the West, are not going to come back against Northwestern if they've got a two-score 2, two score lead. And then here comes Purdue to make things interesting, 27-20. Uh, to 20. I mean, Northwestern, hey, guess what? They want another one-score game at home or on the road. Today is so vital Because Illinois could bite somebody this year. They bit Wisconsin last year. Wisconsin looks incredible. But what is their future like? They can't lose another game to COVID. I don't think they'd lose against many teams they'd play, probably Ohio State. Them and Indiana would be really cool to watch. But other than that, I mean, Wisconsin's pretty incredible. So any given Sunday average movie but uh, you know this Saturday I'm talking about every any, any given Saturday you've got the fact that an uh, Illinois could make Nebraska sweat they've done it uh Indiana if if they're not respected by Ohio State they've got enough firepower to make things interesting and then who knows what you get with Iowa? Who knows what you're going to get with Minnesota? That could have been a death nail for Minnesota as far as tapping out the rest of the year. But yeah. they're back. And, and for them to bounce back after getting drilled by Iowa is incredible. Iowa's 0-2 start really kind of kicks them in the junk because they're getting better. Their quarterback play is still horrific, but they're running the football and they're they're, they're rounding they're, into they're yeah they're, they're Iowa they're doing the Iowa right so yeah they're, they're yeah they're rounding into
1: form I mean that's you know that's what they do first few games they struggle they round into form mm-hmm. by the time Nebraska plays them their offensive line is NFL ready and there you go um, Minnesota it's it's interesting now it's he's a fun punching bag everybody loves to clown PJ Fleck they are woefully depleted though right sure. Now they they were talking in the post game last night where they're down to 61 scholarship players for that game last night. That you, see, you can't nuts. overlook things like that. Everybody's quick to want to bury him because of personality. They just don't like He's, him. Yeah, exactly. But results wise up until this year, which again, this year take with a grain of salt. I it's I don't put a ton of stock into this year no matter what. It's about just sort of making your program better. That's what this year's about. Mm-hmm. And now if you're and if you happen to reel off an undefeated year and compete for a championship, good for you. But it's still going to always have
4: an asterisk, in my opinion. If you get a title this year, but, somehow, someway, God love you. It's even more yeah, it's like, impressive cool. to me.
1: Like, great for you. Awesome. Asterisk. Like, it's 2020, man. It's just, it's weird. So I wouldn't write off Minnesota. You know, they're. they're you want to, you want to be like, oh, PJ black terror, oh, bro, the boat, the boat sinking. Like, okay, like I know they're an easy target and I know they're fun to make fun of, but the dude has won pretty much everywhere he's been. Um, he had them right last year, you know, and right now they're depleted. It's twenty twenty. Minnesota's in a kind of coronavirus hotspot. Like, he's he's not dealing with an easy situation. I. I don't chalk that up as an automatic W. No. No. For Nebraska. I don't think you
4: can chalk most teams in the Big Ten. There's like three. But the other 11, you are subject to falling apart any day. And I think that's been the message where Nebraska's gone back to work the right way against Illinois. And they'll have a chance to go prove it and, and stack some momentum. I mean, that's been kind of the outcry crane act for for frost let's let's get something good to happen let's uh get some confidence going let's get a freaking win and mm-hmm. that's why last week was so important because yes it was a tale of two halves but you got the best in my opinion of both worlds you kind of kicked their butt in the first half and then you had to hang on for dear life and win a close ball game against pretty high level talent
1: I said it you said it. That's what it is. The hyperbole this week has been a little much for me. You know, I I think there's a general, oh, God, the defense played great type thing.
4: I thought, I thought they played fabulous situational football.
1: They did. Yeah, they did. All right. They also got, I mean, and that's part of it. Got a little lucky. That none of that stuff kind of worked out at the end, right? I
4: mean, just you know. I think they, they made they made their own luck. I thought defensively.
1: Sure. Look, they they played well, but I'm just saying you gave up 500 yards to a backup quarterback against an 0-3 team at home. All right, like just settle down. Let's not say the defense played great. They did all right. They, they did their job. They they had some some big situational moments, but like, tap the brakes a little bit. <laughs> this is right, like. I wouldn't I wouldn't just say the black shirts are back. No, Uh, but it was good. It was was a confidence builder for them, because in those same situations, Nebraska has found a way to 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 piss it away Mm -hmm. (laughs) in the past. They did not piss it away this time. Great. That's good. But I I, I don't want to see those same situations appearing every single week because I don't like Nebraska's chances to withstand it. Every that's that's
4: week, a big right? ask. So handle your yeah. business in the second half offensively, uh, put up more than 95 yards where how many points has Nebraska scored in the second half this year? Six. six.
1: So Nebraska scored a total of 60 points this year. They're averaging 20 a game right now. Mm-hmm. 54 of those in the first half, six in the second.
4: Like, come on. Well, think here's here's the maddening part, and you go back to the Ohio State game, where you're in Ohio State territory, and you get a couple of fumbles in the second half. The doors are, go from being blown open to blown off. Then you get into the the the, the Northwestern game. You have two reds, two end, end zone interceptions. Mm-hmm. Okay, so say worst case, all right, you drive into field goal range against Ohio State. There's a little more lipstick on that game, but at least you're scoring in the second half. You have two long drives, two fumbles. Okay, you have two drives that you put together uh, against Northwestern, and you have the pick in the end zone, and then the uh, I'm going to earhole somebody, and it's deflected and picked. So there's a possibility of of 28 more points. So they have not finished in the second half offensively, and then it was just. Nowhere to be found, right? I mean, they they got one field goal. They had a ten play, sixty three yard drive to get the field goal uh, that, that would have that ended up being your your difference maker. You've also had a couple of drops in the end zone. Not to point out anybody specifically, but you have that opportunity too. You know, uh, yeah. so it, it comes down to Nebraska's execution as much, uh, ire as the play calling or the lack of finishings drawn this week and how important it is against Illinois. Uh, Nebraska, it's not like they've just ran out there and gone three and out. No, they've gotten in their own way a lot of times in the second half. And the other part of that, too, is what do they get to do, back to the confidence point of things, what do they do against a team that, that has some dudes and has some athletes, but everyone's been able to tune them up, yards and points, they're not yeah. going against Northwestern's front seven. They're not going against Ohio State. They're not going against Penn State's NFL dudes. You know, no. the, it, it should be easy. You can't have this mentality that it's going to be easier if you're a player, obviously. But reality says that it should be a lesser opponent today where you can get downhill and run the football. You can do some play action Whoa. and find people downfield. That's what should happen. You just never know in the Big Ten if well, let's, it does Let's happen.
1: talk. Let's talk about running downhill real quick, though. And I know we're, we're up against it yep. here, and got to step aside in a second. right our our uh,
4: our, uh, our rewind with Ron's not that long. It's about twelve minutes, so we have okay. got a little extra time.
1: All right. So so running downhill today, you would you would want Dedrick Mills in mm-hmm. that spot. There's some talk that he ain't going today. Well,
4: uh, not our that, our, that our dear friend Coach Jim Hansen knows a guy that has access to. Um, some friends out in the desert, okay? And it's got a list of of who's in and who's out. And uh, I don't know that Mills goes today.
1: Yeah, okay. So, point being, so who do you got back there? You you throw Wandale back there? If you throw Wandale back there, that obviously screws up your receiving core and kind of messes with (laughs) what you want to do. you don't have wide receivers
4: ready. (laughs) Yeah,
1: well, right? So... So no matter what, what you have at the running back spot is either Wandale, which depletes your receiving core, or you're going with a Marvin Scott, who has all of, what, 13 carries in his entire college career, or Sevian Morrison, who we haven't seen yet, who's back from injury, who hasn't had a carry yet, or Rondell Tompkins, who's uh, battled some stuff as well, has looked okay, and maybe his nine or so carries. I mean, you're talking like you you don't have... Or what about Ramir Johnson, who milk carton last year, he was the second Mm -hmm. coming, supposedly, the heir apparent, the fast guy. He hasn't even gotten a tote yet this year, I don't believe. So that's who you have in the backfield today. You either throw back, throw Wandale back there because you kind of know what you're getting with him, and you take your chances out on the edge with Xavier Betts and with Falk and everyone else, or you go with one of those young cats. But you're probably not going to have Mills today. And, yeah, against an Illinois team that, if nothing else, they will hit the crap out of you. Yeah. If nothing else, which is what I sort of have liked about Nebraska this year. I, I don't think Nebraska is, has somehow arrived and and is just like, you know, a defensive stalwart. They're but I do know they will hit get you. out. Yeah. I do know that. And that's a good step. Like, okay, bank that. Now play really good
4: football on top of that.
1: Illinois will hit you. but They do not play good football.
4: Illinois is a mess. I'd be running Isaiah Williams every day, all day, on his zone read. Period. He got End of discussion. Plus carries. I know he got thirty
1: plus carries last
4: game, and and most of them were designed. I I and I don't with Peters. I don't. I, I know he has like some skills, but something's wrong for him to just be this poor a thrower. And he's yeah. got Bebe on the outside. I mean, that dude's massive. He's he has got some guys. He just doesn't have a dude to get him the football. Well, he doesn't have much in, much going on in the lines either. No, Lions. not this year. Last thought here from Jeff Brom before a quick timeout. As uh, Coach Brom, part of his postgame, uh, credit Willie J for finding this.
5: Well, I wish I could comment what I really think. Um, but, uh, yeah, we send calls in, and sometimes they agree with us. Sometimes they don't. You know, I, I can't, you know, I don't have the replay and can and, and, and see it. I just know, you know, there was a touchdown. They called earlier in the game about the same area on the slot receiver and he gave a little nudge. They didn't call that same guy. You know, I'm not, I'll just stop there. And we, uh, we, what I think score at the end, and, and it, it gets called back. So I guess, I guess we had a penalty.
4: That's so
1: diplomatic. Yeah, but by the way, Rondale Moore last night. Yeah, nice to see him back. He's awesome. I kind of forgot. I mean, I didn't forget about him, but man, he looks spry.
4: He looks great. He's <laughs> finally got to get healed hamstring, and David Bell's just fantastic for Purdue. So that game looms. That's a road game for Nebraska, Minnesota, Purdue, still on the dock at Iowa next week. Black Friday special edition of Hale Varsity at nine a.m. Friday on Black Friday. So hey. Yeah, man, it's going to be uh, going to be good times. So uh, we'll take a time out and excited to chat with Ron Brown, longtime Nebraska assistant coach. Uh, Director of Player Development for Coach Frost. Our sit-down with Coach Brown next on Hale Varsity Weekend presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Glad to have you back. <laughs> yes, sir. You heard me right. Here are the guys. Schmidt and Crane. Well,
1: Hector, here's the game plan. You're going to bring us two absolute martinis. You know how I like them, straight up. And then precisely seven and one half minutes after that, you're going to bring us two more. Then two more after that every five minutes
4: until one of us passes out oh, excellent strategy sir back in the, the, the tailbone radio presented by the nebraska lottery big time win for nebraska over penn state we welcome in longtime assistant coach at nebraska and director of player development at nebraska ron brown's back with us. coach how we doing
0: hey committee how you doing,
4: buddy? I'm all right. So, take me through Saturday as you were there, and what's what's one thing you take away from Saturday? I know the win, but is there a moment that that sticks out to you from Saturday?
0: yeah no fans uh or very few fans i should say you know uh, most of the fans are other than the players families were watching from uh or on tv or listening on the radio so we appreciate the fan support even though you all couldn't be totally with us that was weird that was really strange i know in some stadiums that's kind of a common stance but at nebraska we're used to a full stadium but nevertheless uh a fun game, uh, a game that uh, you know we didn't really step on Penn State's neck Uh, early on we had them down by quite a bit Um, we allowed them to get back in the game slowly but surely it turned out to be quite a game but uh, kids stepped up uh, at some really crucial times and uh, we were pleased of the uh, of the finish, but particularly the way our defense. You know, they, those guys were on the field quite a bit. Uh, Penn State had quite a bit more possession time of the football than we did, so our defense was out there quite quite a bit, uh, even at the very end. But yet they they had they, they showed great resiliency and made plays when they had to.
4: Ron Brown's with us, Sale Varsity Radio. What, what can a win like that do where you're up and then you got to hang on? And you know how tight the Big Ten is, Coach. Uh, I mean, it feels like every weekend there's it, always a, a one-possession uh, type setup where momentum will shift or it does come down to a one-possession score and that's your final. What, what can that do from a, uh, a, a springboard-type standpoint getting a win in that fashion?
0: well it's it's obviously very um it's going to develop great maturity in our players and you know you got to think at times, Schmidty. We had, we had sometimes eight freshmen out there on the field at one time, at different times during the course of this game. We're a young football team, and I, I think a number of uh, of our, our fan base and people know that. But um, you know, I always uh, I always liken it to a baby. Think about uh, some of you out there had, had when your little ones were really little, yeah. and think about a life in the day of your baby boy. Uh, Schmidt, you know when he was a little guy and one day meant uh, I mean that was like that would be like a year for an adult just all that happens in one day for that young man well imagine that for a freshman uh, football player it's the same thing you know one game one quarter uh, one scenario it's 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 large it looms large in their experience and in their maturity level so that kind of a game you're right I mean sovereignly by God's sovereign hand it went the way it did and I think in in the long run it it adds a great deal of benefit even though it uh, it causes the heart to, to to beat a whole lot faster than you want it to uh, it, it was probably in the at the end of the day great experience for our young players.
4: This is, uh, I mean, each each player is different, but you talk about all the young kids that saw time and that are getting time. When you look at, at the, menta- the the mentality they have, the man- the maturity they have, is, is it fair to say that you've got a, a, a pretty mature group of young guys, or is that still kind of a work in progress as a whole?
0: It's a work in progress as a whole, but, they, but they're coming along. And again, you know, even in even in the games this year that we've played in, uh those scenarios loom large. And then we have a number of players who are now juniors and seniors who have kind of gone through it. Uh, look at a guy like Ben Stilley, who made a huge sack uh, to close the game off uh, and to secure the victory for us. But I think about all that that guy's been through in the last uh, two years or the three years that we've been here. And uh, the way the tight games we've had, That you know, if you just look at all those little things that have taken place where uh, a, a loss could have been or should have been a win um, that 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 gets into his bloodstream and I'm not saying that's what causes him to make a great play at the end of the game but I think it allows him to frees him up it gives him access to those kinds of things because of what he's been through so we are all subject to our experiences. Uh, in in all facets of life, no matter what you do for a living, um, you know, you're going to be a product in many ways of the experiences that you've been through, and it isn't just well, the experience automatically does something good for you, it's whether you learn from it and grow from it, and I think that uh, the kinds of things that have happened to our program here in the last three years uh, definitely uh, has benefited our players.
4: Ron Brown's with us. A few minutes, Hale Varsity Radio, longtime assistant at Nebraska, director of player development. And uh, you look for energy and, and a spark and something good to happen on the field because I think Nebraska fans know that the work's been done off the field. And it's been been just so crazy. And since we last talked, we weren't sure if football was going to happen. And then you got football, and then it's kind of a slam-together Situation where it's right into the deep end of the pool with conference play. How has how the staff and and how has the the team been able to navigate that? Yeah, there's joy that there's football, but you're not really easing into anything.
0: No, but you know, Schmitty. Sometimes um, I, I, I have a I have a saying that I've that I've loved for the last few years. Uh, when friction turns into traction. Sure. Great things happen, and that's really what friction should turn into. If you're taking the right attitude, and it's it's the whole it's the whole picture of a slippery, icy road. How do you get that icy road to be tire friendly, <laughs> car friendly? Well, you, you you have to have a machine or or a truck that comes in and just grinds that ice up and and turns it into a slushy uh, tr- traction. And that's what it is. The friction. Has, has got there that friction of the of the d- digging up of the ice turns into your traction, and that 's really what 's happened in the last couple of years there 's a closeness that comes together there 's a bonding we 've gone through some really difficult losses together, lots of criticism together, a pandemic together, um, social and racial and all kinds of unjust in the culture a, a presidential election where we had a whole day off to go out and elect a president all that all that kind of stuff has gone on here. Uh, with these players we've had a lot of private talks with our players we've had a lot of tears we've had uh, you know we've had to kind of work through some things on our own team I mean this is a, a laboratory of love here and I think when when you when you go through all that stuff together you come out with bond, bonding and friendships that will last forever but also a chemistry on the football field that uh, that that breeds confidence I think you know practically speaking when you look at our schedule so far people are like oh man Nebraska's got a tough schedule, they were probably, you know, why did they, why Nebraska have to get such a tough schedule? Well, you know, I think it's benefited us, Smitty. I, think, I look at it from the offensive point of view. Mm-hmm. We, may, we have played three really good defensive football teams. Ohio State, Northwestern, and Penn State, a very underrated defense. Penn State has some terrific athletes on defense. I mean, they, they they really have a lot of talent. So when you look at it, um, not to say that we can coast into the rest of the season, but I'll tell you, these first three games have been eye openers for us. They've been difficult. They've been tough. Um, but they, they're mature- I'm telling you, they're maturing us because it's been very competitive and the teams that we've played are very
4: good. Ron Browns with us, Hale Bar City Radio. Coach, uh, how did you approach the dynamic when when you were coaching of of being really demanding because guys didn't get on the field for you as a running back, as a tight end, as a wide receiver without being able to do what you asked of them and what they could do offensively, but also kind of stay positive with them. So, you know what, you, you are getting better. We're working through this together. That's a tough dynamic to, to be demanding, and a kid wants to play right now, but he's got to be ready. You still got to keep coaching him up and being positive. How do you how do you make that stew taste good?
0: Well, you know, hopefully, you know, Schmidt, you you have uh, you, you've brought to the table what love looks like, and love doesn't look like just kissing a kid's tail, putting his arm putting your arms around him when he's done wrong as if nothing's happened, uh, flattering him in the recruiting process, uh, lowering the rim to to lower the standards or a really good player versus a guy who's not so good. That's baloney. Mm-hmm. And and I think um, all of that, you know, I was raised by Coach Osborne in this profession and I and I really appreciate it. And and so wasn't Coach Frost. Mm-hmm. And and you know what? Uh, the idea of keeping a high standard by by stressing and, and emphasizing little things by not allowing calculated loafs on or off the field in the classroom. You know, none of this, you know, I'm just sitting there, I'm a football player and somebody will get me through this. I think holding high standards on little things, on physicality, on the football field, being the most demanding, most physical player that you can possibly be. Um, that that there are no just born superstars here, where where the, the prima donnas get the uh, the easy road and the, the walk-ons or the kids who are backup players get the hard road. No, it's baloney. I mean, love uh, it doesn't doesn't include partiality or prejudice. There's a standard that everyone has to meet and a great coach will help a player meet a standard not lower the bar for them to meet a false standard so that's what this program to me has always been it's why I love Nebraska the people are that way, the fan base in this state, that's how they live their lives as well so uh, I, I think when when the culture that we have in this state and on our football team is is maximized like that, um, and we 're getting back to that, um, I think there are really good things ahead
4: Ron Brown's with us Sale varsity Radio coach. Uh, a thought on the, the quarterback situation. Uh, what have you been able to see from from that position group when it comes to to not only great competition but also support in that room for one another?
0: Well, it's just, uh, you know, just a very mature room. I've just told, I told Mario the other day, man, I was really, just really impressed with his kids and uh, the approach that they take and the business-like mentality that they have, the love and the friendships that they authentically that they have for one another, the work ethic that they have, um, it's been uh, it's been tremendous, and so we get we get a lot of production out of that out of that position. We've got, uh, we have very good players there.
4: Ron Brown's with us, Hale Varsity Radio. Coach, always great to get caught up and spend a few minutes with you. And uh, thanks for for giving us a few minutes uh, again. It's always fun to talk some ball with you.
0: Thanks for having me, Schmidt. I appreciate you, man. God
1: bless you.
4: Thanks for hanging out. Welcome into an Hour 2 Weekend Edition Hail Varsity presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Chris Schmidt, Mark Cranach, Willie J running the show today. And uh, we'll hear from the Iron Horse, Gary Sharp, in about 30 minutes or so. Cousin Dino with another prediction here before. Nine o'clock, we welcome in managing editor for com and magazine. His podcast is must listen to the i80 podcast with Brandon Vogel and get his book because it's awesome. Him and John Cook sat down and wrote a book, Dream Like a Champion. We say hi to Brandon Vogel at Brandon L. Vogel on Twitter. Vogels, how's your Saturday, man? What's up?
2: Oh, so far so good. Got coffee. Uh, going through last minute numbers for this game. So pretty standard. Uh, I like it.
4: What are some numbers that have jumped out to you here specifically? I know you're well uh, immersed in some of the statistical side of things, man. and, And that is telling that can help formulate, you know, maybe what, what will happen uh, depending on if, if you have a, a side judge from Minneapolis or not, of course, uh, being in or out of the equation. But what are things you you looked into this week with Nebraska-Illinois, and what do you think? How does it shape up for Nebraska?
2: Well, uh, Nebraska uh, hasn't been consistent itself, really, but it still has a, a bit of an edge in, in most categories against Illinois, uh, certainly on on offense nebraska is the the better of the two in terms of just down by down efficiency illinois is really struggling to to win downs really on both sides of the ball but offensively not winning a ton of them but those that they do win tend to be pretty big in, in that this is a a, a big play offense leads the big 10 and 20 plus yard games and, and things like that are pretty volatile so i think that's probably the the biggest one for me in this game, uh, that, that Huskers defense coming off a game where they got the stops that they needed. They weren't, you know, keeping Penn state off schedule a ton, uh, but, but got the stops that they needed to, to, to win that game. Really. Uh, can they, can they keep a lid on this Illinois defense? Because they, it has some playmakers. Uh, it's kind of one of those classic teams, uh, like Illinois, where you don't look at it across the board and say, "Oh, this is a really good offense. They're experienced at you know key spots, and and they can they can kind of win at any spot on the field." No, they've got they've got three, four, five guys that you're you're pretty worried about, and you have to take seriously. So I think that's the big one for Nebraska.
1: Brandon Vogel's with us on Hale Varsity Radio. How about Nebraska at the running back spot? What? what have you been able to ascertain about maybe why uh, Nebraska's just not getting production out of that spot?
2: Yeah. I mean, the offensive line has been good at times. Uh, I would say they've been good for the most part, but I don't think they've been close to kind of the level that a lot of people, or at least me, um, certainly felt they had the potential to be at so far this year. They haven't been bad, um, you know, losing, losing Diedrich Mills. So, so it, Nebraska's only played three games, which is kind of the the strange thing. You know, we're getting ready for this game and and getting ready for Black Friday week. And it still hasn't dawned on me that, oh, we're not at the end of the season. We're, we're just (laughs) barely at at the midpoint. Um, so that Ohio State game, you know, you got to be a little bit steamy to, to try and move the ball against a team like that. So you've really got two games that I would, I guess you'd call straight up in, in the way that Nebraska played it, losing Mills early against Penn State uh, kind of hurt our look at that but you know Wondell Robinson it, it, it was nice everyone was happy to to see him get touches uh, and, and he needs to be a factor out of out of the backfield I don't know if he's your primary rusher now I know he did that uh, in the second half against Illinois last year and it went really well but career he, he's you know just a little bit over three yards of carry so when I was talking about this on the the preview podcast, I i highlighted that group. Um, who knows if Bills was gonna be able to go. But but they just need somebody to to step up, whether that's Marvin Scott the third or, or Ronald Tompkins, I mean Lamir Johnson, really any of them. You need something from guys we haven't seen much of yet. And and I don't mean much of they haven't made the most of their opportunities. Nebraska just hasn't done a ton of straight handoffs. So Run game is very much a work in progress. Although they're they're able to stay on schedule that way, thanks largely to quarterback runs. But that's that's kind of a dangerous game.
4: Bugs with the quarterback run, is, is this something you, you keep going to because you have to or you want to? I mean, we we've highlighted just the issue at running back for Nebraska, the consistency, and you know I, I think you're right that the O line's been pretty good. When you look at just the numbers that they put up rushing against Ohio State and, and Northwestern, now, uh, I should say uh, Penn State's rush defense was much better against Nebraska, but do um, you think there'll they'll be more carries for, for McCaffrey? You've got him. He's good at it. If that's what's helping your offense run the ball, I think you got to keep with it, don't you?
2: I think so, and I think particularly early in games, um, you know, so much of, of what what happens depends on on how the early stages of the game unfolds. And you know, Nebraska Nebraska jumped out to to a three touchdown lead against Penn State, and it was able to to continue running uh, the ball primarily with with Robinson. Even though those those you know, the, the Robinson thing is interesting, it feels like every run uh, he has has you know is a a break or two away, a, a missed tackle, or one more cut from from becoming something big, uh, but you could just be patient with it, and you could be you could be happy with that. And that would be a good spot for for Nebraska to be in in this one as a as a, the heaviest favorite. It'll be all year uh, until you potentially get to get to a bowl matchup. So I, I think you, you use the quarterback early. You know if if this thing stays close and depending on what Illinois decides to do with its quarterback situation, um, you, you could be looking at a game where, where with two offenses where their best option is just to run the quarterback. I don't think that's how it unfolds, but so far that's kind of what those those two programs have put on tape.
1: Do you think this is a game where Nebraska runs actually does run some tempo and actually does go fast, and that they've throttled th- th- that feature of their offense through the first three games, just by virtue of the opponent that they were playing, and to protect their defense,
2: they could. Um, you know, it, so much of that depends on if they are are getting are, do, are do, having some early down success, and, and we've seen Nebraska be pretty good with that. Um, we just haven't seen them really have the confidence in some cases, or or the right scenarios, the right looks to take those downfield shots. And I think that's, that's kind of another interesting angle to this game is that Illinois will give up some big plays defensively. Um, it's it strength is really kind of a linebacking crew. Uh, so you got to contend with that. Does Nebraska get tempted to, to take some more shots downfield? Um, we'll see. Cause that, that temptation is certainly there. Uh, Nebraska hasn't done it so far for, for a reason. And I'm for multiple reasons. I, and I'm not even, totally confident in in what those are, but you look at this and say, okay, if there's a a team to try and push the ball downfield to try and, you know, scratch one of the itches for lack of a better term that this offense has had through three games, this might be the day to do it. But I think you gotta be careful with that. Um, but if you are able to, to go tempo, that means you're probably doing what you need to do, um, on, on a play by play basis. So that might make it more likely to to see a few of those. So tempo and those downfield shots kind of go hand in hand to a certain degree.
4: Bogues, what do you what What looks good if you're if you're Luke McCaffrey in game two? What what step are you most interested in seeing from a progression standpoint?
2: Um, I think for for him, they kept things really manageable, and, and again, you get out to that lead, and it, it, it changes things. I think just for his development as a quarterback and a player um, you'd like to see him have to be a little more exacting in in the pass game, you know, a a few more, it'd be just, just nice to see, to see how, how it goes. Some straight drop backs where you're going through your progression rather than, you know, moving the field. Now, obviously you want with a young quarterback like that, you want to give him the best chance at success. You can through the plays that you call and what you ask him to execute, uh, but in terms of long-term, you know, what, what's Luke McCaffrey going to be? What's most valued, valuable to him? Three, four games down the road, much less a season or two down the road. And I think that part of his game, we just haven't seen him be asked to execute that yet. So that's probably the biggest growth opportunity. But again, that's, that's kind of situational. It depends on how the game's going. Uh, you know, Nebraska, if they get behind... Uh, then it becomes kind of tough to to do that. Though you might be forced to a little bit.
1: Can Nebraska just go ahead and script a whole game? <laughs> <laughs> well, why don't they just do that? Because the opening drive, Nebraska looks like a top five team. Pretty much, I mean, with regularity now, you could say it's more than a trend at this point. That's who they are. Opening drive, they're great. After that. Eh. <laughs> Not so much. What do you think is the? What? Why is there such a discrepancy there? Do you think, Brandon, in terms of like performance on that opening drive, pace on that opening drive, certainty on that opening drive, production on the opening drive, versus the rest, which is sort of helter skelter?
2: Yeah, it's 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 tough to tough to understand because you know I think it's, it's starting to feel like a long time ago, but. You know, that 2017 UCF offense, uh, that opening drive for Nebraska, and that's just this year, really through almost all three years, uh, is, is the closest Nebraska looks to that. Um, like you said, there's there's confidence there. There's, there's typically a, a tempo or at least a speed with which they do things that, like, okay, we know what we're doing. We're going to go right down the field and score. Um and, you know, if, if they don't get a penalty or, or something like that, they, they tend to score um, early in games. But why Nebraska isn't able to kind of like the idea with taking the ball first and doing that is to, to get a lead and build that momentum. And you just hope it, you know, is a snowball rolling downhill after that. It never seems to continue rolling downhill. And I think you could maybe chalk up some of that to, to just the youth. And Nebraska has been a young team, really, all three seasons, which is kind of an outlier in itself. But you get into you get past that, that opening salvo, that, that first drive, and defense is just, of course. Coach Ross talked about that some this week. That's part of it, but I think when you – put on top of that a young team where you're asking them to kind of make adjustments on the fly themselves, um, it, it just becomes a little bit messy and complicated for Nebraska.
4: Brandon Vogels with us, com and magazine at Brandon L. Vogel on Twitter. Vogels, let's zoom out from Nebraska, Illinois to the rest of the Big Ten. And anxious to, to get your take, A, on Purdue, Minnesota, what you thought of the, the last few moments, be shocked that Bob Diaco is getting hammered by Dan Dockage on Twitter?
2: <laughs> um, Defense was not produced issue in that game, I don't believe. So uh, there, there there will be other opportunities to Play the Diaco card, I imagine. But uh, yeah, like 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 Jeff Brown, I didn't like it for Purdue. For, for I didn't like it for people who who may have had had the Boilermakers minus two and a half. Uh, not that I know anybody who had that. Um, I, really, the t- it was a, it was a pretty awful call. Like everybody's watched it multiple times. Nobody has seen what what the what the side judge saw on that one. I guess my two big takeaways from that game were, one, defensively, like if you want to go after a defense coordinator, uh, maybe look to, look to Minnesota. And I know they had 20 guys out, but uh, so far this year, after that game was over, the first thing I looked up, Minnesota has allowed either a touchdown, a field goal, or a field goal attempt on 32 of its 55 of drives. Like, just everybody is going down the field and more than half the time getting a scoring opportunity. That's obviously a big problem for, for Purdue or for Minnesota in 2020. I guess the second takeaway was, man, that Purdue offense is, is pretty fun. And, yeah. and it's, it's, it's what you want in terms of, I think, good offense in that it is, at its core, simple but it looks complex. Uh, they, they move around a more. Like seeing him back, just as a, as a football fan was great. And I think there was a moment, <laughs> might have still been in the third quarter, where Moore had 11 catches and David Bell had nine. But when you talk about simplicity, like Purdue just knows they're like we got two guys that are really really good, and we're just going to get them the ball as often as possible. Uh, and, and they do it, but they come up with creative ways to do it. So. Really came out of that game pretty impressed with Purdue, and part of the reason the Stinks, you know, they now they're they're basically probably out of the division race now, all because of of one call that uh, was was dubious at best.
1: Brandon Vogel is with us on uh, Hale Varsity Radio. Let's back to the Nebraska game real quick. Kind of an interesting scenario at wide receiver where Oliver Martin who is a guy that started his career in Michigan, transferred to Iowa, has since transferred to Nebraska. Um, he's eligible now, and he can go. Um, do, do you expect to see him? And if so, do you think maybe having, I guess, a, a veteran stabilizing force in the receiving core is helpful at this point?
2: I, I think it could be. I mean, I, I don't know if we'll see him today. You know, his his Name hasn't come up a ton, so it's, it's just hard to know where he's at in terms of his progression with being able to get on the field and being able to do enough things. But, you know, it's not like he hasn't been practicing. You would, you would think there's there's pretty good chance there. Um, would love to see him get in the end zone. Uh, I don't know if this is true, but got to be the first guy in Big Ten history to score touchdowns at three different Big Ten programs. He <laughs> right. scored in Michigan. He scored at, scored at Iowa. Um, you know, he's, a, he's an Iowa City kid. So you just, you, you look at him and, and think he, he's probably a guy who can give you something. And even though he's not a veteran at Nebraska, he, he's still a veteran presence. So, it, it'd be nice to, to see him a little bit today. Um, some of that again, probably. Like if, it's, if this game goes like the experts say, and, and Nebraska is is in fact, you know, fifteen or so points better than Illinois, maybe you get a chance to see him.
4: Vogues, uh, a thought before we say goodbye: Northwestern, Wisconsin.
2: Yeah, that one. I've been going back and forth on that one all week. Wisconsin has looked really good in the games it's been able to play. Graham Burton's is still completing over 70% of his passes. I don't think he's thrown an interception yet. Now, Northwestern has tended to be kind of a hornet's nest uh, for Wisconsin, particularly in Evanston. So so there's that. I think with Northwestern being 4-0, uh, you maybe diminish that a little bit. So I'll cautiously take the Badgers to kind of grind things down and, and probably come away with a seven- or ten-point win, but should be a pretty good game.
4: Big Ten's got a lot of focus uh, today with uh, Ohio State, Indiana, Northwestern, Wisconsin, and then the meltdown of Twitter with uh, last night's uh, Minnesota-Purdue. So that, and you get Clemson and Florida State just got called off due to COVID. So, yeah, it's a Big Ten showcase this weekend and could decide – Driver seats for a lot of the, 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 the two divisions. Uh, we'll see where it's at. We'll see what Nebraska does. Brandon Vogel will have all the coverage and reaction, com and magazine. And, of course, be sure to grab uh, Vogel's podcast, the I-80 podcast, Spotify, iTunes, or Google Play. Vogel, uh, get that grill or smoker fired up and uh, enjoy some football today, bud. Will
6: cool to you. Thanks a lot, guys.
4: All right. There he is. Thanks, Brandon. Brandon Vogel with us on Hale, Varsity. Uh, weekend edition. So, yeah, a lot of good football. Uh, anxious to see how Nebraska responds to success, right? And do they uh, come in the right way and do their thing? Uh, get in, get out. Make this thing happy for Nebraska fans. Put two in a row. Keep the, uh, the downhill good momentum in for uh, Iowa City. But handle your business today. We'll check in with the Iron Horse. Gary Sharp's coming up. Cousin Dino. Uh, we'll have his pick on Nebraska and Illinois coming up before 9. This is Hale Varsity presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Early to rise with Hale
1: Varsity Radio, the voice of Husker Nation. Here's Chris Schmidt and Mark Kranek.
4: Good to have you back. It's weekend edition. It's Hale Varsity presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Chris Schmidt, Mark Kranek, Willie J. We welcome in the Iron Horse Gary Sharp with us. Sharpie, congrats on another great uh, high school football season. Want to start with last night before we get into Nebraska, Illinois, and you had a chance to see Elkhorn do their thing. You were on the call for that. You also saw Westside uh, take a championship run and pay it off for the first time since the early 80s. Your thoughts on both of those games?
3: Uh, Good morning, guys. Thanks for having me once again. Uh, You know, first and foremost, kudos to – everybody that was involved in fall sports in the state of nebraska uh starting with the NSAA all the way down that we were able to get to the start when it looked pretty precarious at the end of july early august to last night with football wrapping up the fall sports season kudos to everybody uh, because it was not easy and it's some to always remember uh either participating in fall and or winning a championship um uh, with elkhorn You know, Elkhorn beat a really good Aurora team. Uh, Elkhorn, who, you know, both of these teams weren't even in Class B last year. Elkhorn was in A, and Aurora was in C1. Um, Elkhorn's got a nice team. Aiden Young, who accepted a Nebraska walk-on offer, is a nice running back. Uh, A little shifty. They want him to play the duck-R position in Lincoln. Uh, He's been a four-year starter for Mark Warman, who's amazing. Sixth title in 41 years at the same high school, which, you know, how many people stay at the same job for 41 years? But he's one of the classiest people in all of – of uh, sports in the state of Nebraska. Um, you know, Monte Cristo's son, Drew, is a big tight end and a big target. I, I think if he didn't have a 94-mile-an-hour fastball attached, you know, in that right arm, he could have a chance to walk on and play football in Nebraska. But, you know, Elkhorn was really, really good. Now to the Class A game, I think everybody saw last night that got to watch it on the statewide audience, is Omaha West Side is really, really good. You have a three-year starter in Cole Payton, who is a beast. He's, he's a left-handed Josh Allen. Uh, out there. He's a Tim Tebow body. He's got a bright future. Um, and then people got to see, I think, a guy I've been talking about for a year and a half now, Kobe Bretz, who is still very raw, and what he's going to be able to do at Nebraska when they decide on a position and they work on his body. Um, you know, you got Avante Dickerson, who right now is headed the Minnesota, and, you know, Teddy Prohaska, who played pretty well last night for Melbourne Warren South. And, you know, he's got a body that, uh, you know, probably a couple of years away uh, to contributing on the offensive line. But it, it was a great year for high school football in the state. you know what? you're going to close the book on the class of 21. Um, you're going to open the book on the class of 22 and the state is loaded with prospects in 22, but what a great year. What a fun night last night uh, for uh, seven sites across the state to, to crown seven champions.
1: Hey, just a plus one on the comment about uh, coach Wortman. I mean, he is just built different. That guy's wow. And, and his team's played so, so hard for him as a result of how he kind of runs things. Um, but I just want to go back. There's a couple things in there, Gary, little little <laughs> things in there that I want to talk to you about. Um, okay, one, I want, for people that have not seen Kobe Bretts, what Nebraska is getting. Uh, two, what do you mean right now Avante Dickerson is committed to Minnesota? I heard you sneak that in there.
3: So let's first start with uh, Kobe Bretts. Kobe Bretts is really, really wrong. You know, this is really the first time that he's been full-time football. He's a, he's a state championship diver. Uh, he's a fantastic athlete just learning how to play football. But he can play both sides of the ball. And Nebraska looks at him probably as a JoJo Doman type, as an outside linebacker. He can cover in space. He's got great speed side to side. He's got great length. And I think he's starting to develop a knack of what football is all about. And his IQ is starting to rise. You know, Kobe was not in a great spot at the beginning of last year. Uh, he had more interest off the field than on the field. And I think that folks at Westside finally said, you know what? You have a future to have your schooling paid for and to play college football. And he really locked it in. And I think Nebraska, they took one quick look at him and they said, man, this, he might be raw, but he's got a huge upside. And we see what he can do, especially on the defensive side of the ball. Now, last night we're having a discussion. Could he play offense at Nebraska? Well, I think they'd like to start him at uh, defense. Now, Avante Dickerson, who committed to P.J. Fleck in Minnesota way back in April, P.J. Fleck just bombarded Avante. He went after him hard and hard and hard, and Avante finally said yes to Minnesota. Now, Avante is one of those kids that likes to be recruited and recruited and recruited. Minnesota, the head coach will go hard after you, and then he'll pass you off to the assistants. And for some players, that doesn't do real well, or Minnesota just stops contacting you. I still think that Avante Dickerson in a, in a month will sign with Nebraska or sign with Minnesota. beg your pardon, um, but I think if Nebraska had communication there, the, it would, there would still be a shot. The thing to keep an eye on, if that is true, is if Nebraska drops a defensive back, then it's ding 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 ding. Avante Dickerson, and Nebraska are talking again. But I think right now, guys, he's headed to Minnesota. But if Nebraska wanted to get back involved, uh, I don't. I don't think that would be off the table.
4: Gary Sharp's with us. Some insight there on the recruiting with Avante Dickerson. I want to go to Cole Payton, and you mentioned his size and his IQ and his ability to to throw the football. And he's headed up to North Dakota State, and they just seem to put quarterbacks in the NFL. They develop really well. They've they've had talent up there, and uh, is. Is one of the best in the state leaving the state? I mean, obviously he's a champion, but is he a guy that could play Power 5 football is my question.
3: Well, I think so. Um, and I've watched him play for three years, and he's a fantastic kid who you know, actually has a bright future in baseball as well. He's a left-handed pitcher for Omaha website, which has a fantastic baseball program as well as a state championship football program. Um, he's somebody that is very, very loyal. And North Dakota State recruited him, and they immediately said, you're not a linebacker, you're a quarterback. And that's what he wants to play in college. And he's still got some things mechanically he has to work on. But his growth from his junior to senior year as a quarterback and his throwing motion, his decision-making, I mean, you can't bring him down. Um, he has a load when he gets in the open field, and he's got a rocket left arm. Um, I think he's, he's very loyal But Dakota State, I mean, why wouldn't you go there if you're a quarterback? Their last three starting quarterbacks are all going to be in the NFL, and they've got a fantastic quarterback coach, a great program. I think Cole is still geared toward going up 29 to Fargo. But but think about this. I know people are saying to me last night, well, why won't Nebraska offer him? Heck, there's even some former Huskers that have kids that played in last night's game that are like, man, Nebraska should offer him. Um, I think Nebraska really likes Heinrich Harburg, like really, really likes him, the, the kid from Kearney Catholic. Um, it just, you know, Cole Payton would be one of those players that if you did not have the kind of recruiting limitations during the summer or during now, might get more of a look. Um, but North Dakota State is definitely getting a winner and a really, really good prospect.
1: It's also one of those things, Gary, where you're like, who is Nebraska to just pass up on, you know, a guy that's on your doorstep when I mean, you look at, the Eastern stick is backing up Herbert in San Diego right now. are <laughs> you know, yeah. just like, you can't, who are you to pass on these guys? I, I don't know. Do you think there's a chance that he'll get a late offer?
3: Um, I don't know. It's going to be, you know, Nebraska, it's not like Nebraska has a lot of room left in their class. And again, they really like Harvard. I think they just want to, I think they're just going to take one quarterback. But you guys know this. You followed recruiting long enough. We're a month until early signing period. Uh, anything could happen. Um, it, things could get wild. Some guys could drop out. Some guys could come free. You never know. But I, and in this case, I think Cole is pretty loyal to North Dakota State, and I think you'll see him mm-hmm. end up at uh, Fargo. But it definitely has started the conversation now that people have gotten to see him a lot more here in the last month that, man, could he play at Nebraska? Parker Gabriel was at the game last mm-hmm. night. You guys all know PG from the Lincoln Journal Star. He said he reminds me of uh, Joe Schulbert. Remember him from Wisconsin? Yes. Yeah. Uh, yeah. He said that's what he reminds him because Parker saw Joe play in high school. And then he went on, and he actually started in the Big Ten. I would say another thing about Cole. This just shows you how talented he is. I think Cole Payton, if he wanted to, could also play linebacker in college. He's got great arm length, and he's physical, and you saw that he got to play on that side of the ball a little bit for Westside this year. He's a great player. I think him and Keegan Johnson are the two uh, all-state captains this year.
4: Two uh, really good in-state kids. And, uh, yeah, Peyton was a treat, saw him last year, didn't see Westside this year, but uh, what a program they've okay. got going. Gary can Sharps, you with, God, go ahead.
3: Can I give you one little nugget about quarterbacks? Please. Because every because that's a discussion around here with Luke McCaffrey and Adrian Martinez. We just talked about Henry Carver from Carney Catholic coming. Um, he's got to get bigger, but privately – the Nebraska coaches are in love with Logan Smothers, and if you happen to pull a player aside that has gone against Smothers in camp and now that the season has started in practice, they will nod their head in agreement. There is a lot of love for Logan Smothers right now.
6: Mm, thank okay. you for that. So,
3: so that said, you know, I was thinking, hey, in my head, when it was 24-3 last Saturday, I'm thinking, okay. They've got a chance here. If this game opens up, Adrian's going to get to play in the second half, and then you might get to see a series or two from Logan Smothers. Uh, I, wonder, I wonder if today goes really well for Nebraska, if they get Logan Smothers into the game, because they do really like the future of him.
4: He He was just watching his film and talking to him last year. The guy... I mean, he, he played with jacked-up ribs. I mean, he, he was in the hospital after his state championship game. I mean, he was such a tough player, willing himself to to compete as long as he could. But he's got got that that it with not only being able to throw the ball but scramble around. And uh, Nebraska's done well uh, with their Bama connection, Gary. And uh, he's he's a guy I know that a lot of us are excited to see.
3: Well, let me ask both of you guys, because you know what? Luke McCaffrey was good enough last week. I think that's how we kind of maybe thought the first game was going to go, and, you know, you got to win. That was the most important thing. But don't you think in the last four games, I hope Nebraska starts today, and he's going to need some help from his friends on on his side of the ball. But take the training wheels off. Let D.J. Matt cook. But I think you have to decide in the next four games, is Luke McCaffrey just the guy to get you through 20, or is he the guy for the future?
1: It well look. I thought I think Luke took the job from Adrian. I think he took it because I think he's just a kind of a forward momentum type guy. That he's he's just a hard charger. The McCaffreys are just built different than most people, right? They're just they're hard <laughs> to keep down. I don't think, and now it's one game. I don't think he did enough to just completely clamp that job down from here to eternity. (laughs) I mean, it was one game, but I'm just sort of like, okay, he played okay. He he didn't, he he doesn't have that thing locked up. And then to go back to Smothers, totally right. I actually went back and watched his high school film this, this week, just kind of thinking about, you know, where's he at? Let's keep in mind that he is, he was a, he was top 10 sprinter in Alabama (laughs) And track, there he was. I mean, he's he's like something like fourth in the four hundred, and then top ten in the sixty. So he's he's got legitimate top top shelf uh, top end speed. He's also got jukes, and he can throw the ball really well, right? Yep. And, and if you're and if you're going to look at, you know, what's what's Luke's kind of shortcoming, it's that it's just sort of it's um it's not not finesse, but it's uh what what is the word I'm looking for. Throwing the ball like Death he's just crush. not a polished passer. Yeah, right? he's just not. Yeah. it's not. It's not natural to him. Totally, he's getting there though. He's he, he's got a he's got a good arm. He's a good enough athlete, but it's not like he's, you know, well, Peyton Manning. He is not.
3: <laughs> right? Well, b- both you guys answer me this. So this is you know everybody has talked this week. At some point, you guys probably thought, and did Nebraska lose this week? The uh, play of the offense kind of <laughs> dictates all of our mood. But do you think Nebraska? Because of Luke winning the quarterback gap, Diedrich Mills going down, so Wandale Robinson has to be at running back. The Nebraska essentially played against Penn State with two of their top four wide receivers not playing wide receiver.
4: Exactly. <laughs> I mean, that's that's mm-hmm. the reality right now. There needs to be uh, a, a short learning curve and dudes need to get on the field what? and and be able to... To execute and and know the offense, and I'm excited, Sharpie, to see to see Bets. I mean, keep feeding him well, some more, man. Bets and
3: Brown will play a lot today.
4: They should.
1: I now Bets. I've been more. Um, I mean, I was impressed with his play. Obviously, his his first two catch or his two catches against Northwestern were just. They're just different. He just plucks the ball out of the air. You yeah. just don't see a lot of players do that, especially at his at his age. And then it looked pretty effortless on his his end around touchdown. Uh, I, but I was more impressed with him in the post game, where because I I sort of pictured him. I don't know why. I just pictured him as being sort of a wide eyed kid that would just mm-hmm. be kind of like, oh, this is all new. It's so exciting. Uh, you know, I was nervous. In the post game, if you listen to him, he's he's like, nah, I'm not. I couldn't wait to get out there I'm not nervous. He's not nervous at all. Uh, does that surprise you a little bit, Gary? Just having watched him in, in high school, did you think he'd be ready this quick? Guy I, I will tell you
3: as a junior at Bellevue West, um, I didn't know if he'd make it out of high school uh, he had a he had to commit himself now there's a lot of people from Nebraska to counselors and teachers at Bellevue West that helped him along the way. You know Nebraska, you remember guys. They didn't let him sign when everybody else signed in his class because he had to get his grade work done, and he worked extremely hard. And then on the football side, you know, Mike Puffman looked at him and said, you've got all this ability, but you've got to do X, Y, and Z. You've, you've got to learn your craft. And he really took it upon himself to, to take control of his life on and off the football field. So what, he, what people heard him say on Saturday after the game, it didn't surprise me, Mark. I mean, I think here's a kid that's growing up that knows, man, he's got, a, he's got such a high ceiling that we don't see those kind of wide receivers come out of the state of Nebraska. And now they get to give him some familiarity. That play they ran for his touchdown, Bellevue West ran that play over and over and over with him. And so what a great play for him to run. He knows exactly what that play is going to be. Um, and so I think you're watching the growth of him. And remember, he, he, he got on campus, his head was spinning. Um, he had to deal with injuries and a virus. And, you know, I think now he's, he's kind of – the game is slowing down for him. I, I'm hoping that in the next couple of weeks, all of these freshmen, especially on the offensive side of the ball, the game starts to slow down, and then they can grasp the game and run with it. Because right now we see guys, their heads are spinning. I mean, you're, you're three games in, but guys are still trying to – they're overthinking things. So I'm hoping today – you know, Iowa, before you get to Purdue, the game slows down, and we really get to see these freshmen um, take the next step at the wide receiver position. Because if they don't, we're going to be having this conversation weekly about what's wrong with the offense.
4: Sharpie, we'll get you out of here on this, and it's awesome to catch up, and thanks for jumping on with us. What, what do you think we see today? Where, where, where are you leaning? Uh, is, this, is this thing comfortable? Is this tight? Is there gray area somewhere in between?
3: It's not a very good team that Nebraska's playing today. And I know you can say, you oh, have you seen Nebraska for the last couple of years? They're one and two. But Illinois is not very good. Um, they're not very good defensively. Uh, you know, I think they'll be a little bit better at quarterback at Peter plays over Williams. I think you'll see the defense continue to play well. They've done a good job of game tackling. Um, you know, I think Nebraska's got a chance here to move the football. I think they've got a chance to throw it in the passing game. I think you'll see a lot of uh, quick games. Out of Nebraska today, I think you'll see more chunk plays. I think the offense will look more what we think it should look like, still not a, thin, a polished product. I mean, Illinois will play hard. And, you know, you remember last year, Illinois was up a couple of touchdowns on Nebraska, and that was a fierce game. Guys were getting crushed. And then Martinez and Robinson took over. I think it'll be tight early, but I like Nebraska to cover the spread today. I would like that offense, though, to score five touchdowns, maybe six, so you feel better going in the Iowa game. Which would be nice to go into that game with a little bit of momentum, but Nebraska's got a great opportunity here. They won against Penn State. The 2019 second half against Colorado sits on their shoulders. They're not going to be able to get rid of that for a while. The way that game ended, you saw that in the second half against Penn State. But all of a sudden, you're one and two. Chance to win today. You're 500. You look at the last three games where you could be looking at two and one, a winning record in the regular season. But you have momentum going into the Iowa game, a team that has beaten you by a field goal the last two years. I think Nebraska covers today, and I think you feel better about the offense at about 230.
4: Sharpie, we'll see you a little bit later, bud. Thanks for the time today.
3: Hey,
4: thanks, guys. Gary thanks, Sharp Gary. with us, the Iron Horse, Hale Varsity Radio. A quick timeout. We'll wind down the uh, weekend edition. Cousin Dino with his prediction. That's on the way. It's Hale Varsity presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Glad to have you back. Yes, sir. You heard me right. Here are the guys, Schmidt and Crane. Well,
3: Hector, here's the game plan. You're going to bring us two absolute martinis. You know how I like them straight up. And then precisely seven and one half minutes after that, you're going to bring us two more. Then,
4: Two more after that every five minutes until one of us passes oh, excellent strategy, sir. Closer to kickoff, Hale Varsity Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery Weekend Edition. Chris Schmidt, Mark Cranack, Willie J. is here. And good stuff from Gary Sharp. Uh, thanks to Coach Ron Brown for spending some time with us in Breaking the news. 7 o'clock. Go ahead. Did you see that Florida State and Clemson is postponed? Yeah, yeah. Yep. Announced this morning? Yep, we hit on that. I at least I touched on it a little bit around eight. Yeah. Well, guess what? Huh. I wasn't, I wasn't listening very well. No, you, were, you were pouring another <laughs> one. Was I? You were pouring another one, is what you were doing, and that's okay. Yeah. I said, yep, Clemson and Florida State are off. That sucks. Yeah. But, you know. No, but Clemson's like in Tallahassee, though. No, I know. Clemson, Clemson was getting on the bus. Uh, Maybe Clemson can go to a wonderful Airbnb just outside the Smoky Mountains, Uh, Mm -hmm. and they can say hi to Cousin Dino. We say hi to Dean Schmidt, Cousin Dino, with his uh, Saturday prediction. Dino, what's up? How are you, brother? Boy,
6: uh, I'm doing great, Chris. Um, Got a lot of excitement uh, going into this game. I guess probably more relaxed um, all week long. Until you open with that segment uh, today, and with um, <laughs> that uh, Purdue Minnesota thing, that'll kind of raise the hair on your your your, your backside, uh-huh. and, uh, maybe frost uh, throat- freeze the spirits a little bit. You know? Well,
4: well, we were kind of just going back in time, and Dean, you've seen a lot of Nebraska games in the state of Texas over the years. Remember going down to Austin and and. Kind of a infamous no call uh in the ninety nine Nebraska Texas game. Mike Brown is just getting hammered, all sorts of held and pushed off and Texas scores in the final moment to give Nebraska uh their only loss of that season twenty four to twenty. We were we were down in Austin for that, right? And Yep, and,
6: I sure was. I was also there at that Texas and M game you talked about in the, earlier in the show.
4: Well yeah, that so was- that was a, that was a bleep. That was a bleep show with all the official, <laughs> I mean, with all the flags. And you just knew it was going to be one of them good old faction, uh, Texas hose jobs. And, um, <laughs> so you were there for it. And then you, then you see what happens with Minnesota and, and, and Purdue last night. So that yeah, just, right. just handle your business. So it's a relaxed yeah. week. Nebraska got a win. Dino, do they get two in a row? And cousin Dino, do they cover the number? It's up to 16.
6: Well, I, I think so, and I, I really enjoyed Ron Brown's piece on friction and traction, yeah. but I want to throw a little momentum in there. If you're stuck in that cornfield or stuck as a team, you need a little momentum to get things going, and it certainly is on our side. I think there's three keys to the game today, Chris. Um, I think it's the uh, quarterback play for us and against theirs. I think they're, what, starting four
4: different quarterbacks during the year they brought their own bus for the quarterbacks today i think
6: yeah yeah and the momentum has got to be from first to second game but um let's go with six points for the quarterback play on our side today six points for the secondary and another six for the defense as a whole so i kind of got this thing lined up as about a 38 to 20 game
1: Huskers, um, Huskers
4: win in the thriller. Huskers get it done by eighteen. cranak. you uh, you like that? A, a two point cover. Well,
1: I did ask my uh, seven year old what he thought, and he was thinking it was more like ninety nine to uh, six. Okay, so so he went the Dolman uh, route. Yeah, <laughs> went a little higher. Um, that so was will see, we'll see Who's right?
4: <laughs> That's pretty good. That's pretty good. So, Dino, get yeah. some uh, some guac. Pour a red beer. And uh, enjoy Nebraska today, buddy. Yep. Thank you. Talk All right. to you guys Don't, later. Sounds good. Don't put the guac in the red beer. No, he won't. Dino's would a pro. Be, that would be lumpy. Well, we love Dino. Good work, buddy. Kranak, you be good, buddy. You as well, sir.